Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So I'm going to pray and then I want to get into the word. So Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that we can just take this time in our walk with you and remember those who prayed for us, those who loved us unconditionally, those who believed the best about us, those who always had a kind word for us, those who kissed us when we were hurting and when we fell and they picked us up and put us back on the path. We're just thankful that we have a day just to pause and give honor to moms. So I thank you, Father, for an encouraging word that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit, and that this word would encourage all women. And we look to you. We look to you as our teacher. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. You know, this is a very emotional Mother's Day for me because this is the first time I have not had my mother on earth. My mom died this year in May. My father-in-law died in August, and then my mother-in-law died in January. So I just feel like it's just a different place on this earth without my mom. For 68 years, I had my mother, and you know, I, I really, I took her for granted in so many ways. I, I just knew that wherever I was on the earth, somewhere there was my mom. And I knew that she would be praying for me. And yes, I'm happy that she's in heaven and not suffering, but I miss her. For as long as I remember, I've always had a prayer covering. I don't know if you've ever had a prayer covering or if you've ever felt a prayer covering, but for as long as I've been on this earth, I have had a prayer covering. I could tell, it was just sort of like a blanket was over me, a blanket of prayer, because I knew it was my mom's prayers and my grandmother's prayers and my aunts and uncles. But this year, I've, I've struggled because I felt like I didn't have that covering and I felt like I've lost my place and my roots. And I know many of you here have lost your moms. But I honestly, I just didn't realize the impact she had on my life. Even at 92, my mom would say, I will be praying for you and your children, Karen. She said, I can't remember them all by name, you have so many, but I'll be praying for you. And I'd say, thank you, Mom. And I just took it for granted. You know, then I, I, I realized how much I depended on her prayers. You know, my mom was the one who introduced me to Jesus. I mean, I don't know that moms sometimes know the impact they have on their children. She introduced me to Jesus. You know, I grew up in the church and 
dedicated my life to be in the ministry from about six on. Went before the Women's Baptist Union to tell them I wanted to be a missionary when I was eight. And my mom was there all the time. She took my sister and I to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and sometimes on Thursday to business meeting. I can't say I always went cheerfully, but I went, even if she had to drag me. We prayed before every meal. I mean, we had a sort of a mini family reunion with about 20 of us a couple of years ago for her 91st birthday. She wanted to go to uh, the Longhorn Grill. We thought, that is weird, Mom. But we all went right along. And I mean, there were like 15 of us in this noisy, noisy restaurant. And my mom, we all got our food and my mom just sat there looking around. We were all starving. The little kids were starving, but my mom just sat there looking around until somebody prayed. I mean, that was just how we grew up, until somebody prayed. We prayed before we went to bed at night. And you know, she would always ask me, have you said your prayers? Have you brushed your teeth? Did you turn off the light? It was just like it was a ritual in our house. Have you prayed? Have you brushed your teeth? Did you turn off the light? I mean, those were habits that I grew up with and tried to instill in my children. You know, I think as the years passed, I just did not realize the value of that Christian upbringing. You know, sometimes kids turn away from it. Sometimes, uh, you know, and they come back. Sometimes they... They think, oh, mom is this way or mom is that way. But you know what? I want, I want to tell you this. As I look back over my life, I see one thing is for sure. My Christian upbringing gave me an advantage in life. I have had an advantage in life because of my mom teaching me the word and taking me to church. Now, I know sometimes you may think it's just fruitless. Nothing has happened. There's, they're not getting it. They're not wanting to be here. They're not taking this in. They, they're not hearing what I'm saying. But I want to say to you, the word of God never, ever returns void. But that it always accomplishes what it is sent to do. I don't care if your child's too 12, 22, 42, 52, 62. I am 68 and there will be 69 soon. And the word is still working mightily in me. Word that my mother prayed over me. And it has given me an advantage in life. You know, There are so many times that I can say in my life that God was there and I didn't even know it. So many times I would say, I'd say to myself, well, I just, I don't know how that worked out, but it all worked out. And I'd think God was there and I didn't even know it. But I know now it's because of the prayers of my mom, because of the word of God that she implanted in me, gave me an advantage in life. All of you sitting out here, you have an advantage in life. 
You may think, no, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what's happening to me. You don't know my finances. You don't know the state of relationships. Listen, I'm telling you, because you have the word of God in your life, it gives you the advantage in life. It does. Because that's how the word of God was made. You know, my mom was single until she was, until I was 14. You know, she was, uh, I was born in 46 and she was a single mom. She had two of us and, you know, back then, I think gas was probably, I don't know, 15 cents a gallon or whatever. It didn't cost much to live, but my mom did everything she could to provide for my sister and I. And even in the midst of that struggle of being a single mom down in the late 40s, my mom always said to us, God would supply. And I don't know how it happened, but stuff would always show up. Food would show up on the table. And I do want to say one thing. I will never eat another can of Beanie Weenies. (laughs) Because we ate them all the time. (laughs) And I hate them to this day. But it was provision. It was provision. My mother had great faith in God. And God not only provided for us, but you know what? God kept us together. God kept us together. So my mother, even though she's in heaven, I mean, it's so strange because on Mother's Day, what I always did was I would go get chocolate-covered strawberries. You know those big ones that H-E-B? That was what we did. I did that for Rick's mom. And we would eat chocolate. Today, I would eat chocolate-covered strawberries with my mom, or my sister would eat with my mom, and I would eat with my mother-in-law, and they always just were so thrilled to get those chocolate-covered strawberries. Just little things that made such a difference. But the greatest difference my mom made in my life was she made an eternal difference. My mom made an eternal difference in my life. And moms, we do make an eternal difference in the lives of our children. Today, I just want to look at two women in the Bible because I always look to the Bible for examples, help, women who walked just as we have to walk. So if you could open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to look at two women who made an eternal difference. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Now remember, I read in the Amplified Bible, Paul, an apostle, special messenger of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, favor, spiritual blessing, mercy, and heart peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I worship with a pure conscience in the spirit of my fathers, when without ceasing I remember you night and day in my prayers. And when, as I recall your tears, I want to see you, I yearn to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. I am calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith, the leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ, and absolute trust, confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, a faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice 
and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you also. That is why I would remind you, because you have this faith that's in you, that's dwelling in you. That is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given given us a spirit of power and love and a calm and well-balanced mind, discipline and self-control. Now, here we have two women, Lois and Eunice. And, uh, you know, this, this letter right here is so important. Just a little history. This is the last letter, the very last letter that Paul wrote before he was killed. This is the very last letter that he wrote. I tend to think someone's last words, you know, are important and and to pay attention to them. But this was written probably in about, I don't know, 64 AD. He was in prison. He'd been in prison before. When he was in prison the first time, they treated him well. He got to see his friends and talk to everybody and go around and still preach the gospel. But this was his second imprisonment. And this one, he was in Rome. He was in chains. He was down in a hole. They fed him through just a a little hole in the top of a sort of a cave, if you've ever been there. And he knew he was going to die. He knew the end wasn't near. He knew that he was going to be leaving this earth. And these were the things that were on his mind at the end. He's calling to remembrance the things that were important in his life. And here is Timothy, who was a young man, probably about 35 at this time. And Timothy was pastoring a church at Ephesus. That's, you know, the book of Ephesians. Timothy was the pastor of the book, uh, was the pastor of the church at Ephesians. And they say, history says, there could have been upwards of 100,000 people in that church. And Paul was writing these letters, these pastoral epistles, to encourage Timothy to stand strong. He was encouraging Timothy, you fight the good fight of fate. You hold on to the word of God. You stand your ground. You just, you've not been given a spirit of fear. I, I think we sometimes think that You know, these apostles and and all these people, they didn't have to fight fear or have these things that we do. But about 25 times in the uh, first Timothy and second Timothy, Paul keeps telling him, hold on, don't give up, stand your ground, do not fear, finish your race, fight the good fight of faith. So Timothy was a young man being overcome by all these problems all these problems. And Paul was saying, stand your ground, hold on to the word of God and remember the faith that was put in you by your mom and your grandmother. I mean, moms and grandmothers, you make an eternal difference in the lives of your children. Here we have Timothy, one of the youngest pastors, but one of the greatest pastors. I mean, he could have written, they could have written about anybody, but he wrote about Timothy, who was a young man. And we don't know much about his background. We don't know much about his mom and his grandmother. But we can find out just a little bit in Acts chapter 16. Turn over there real quick. Acts chapter 16 in verse 1. It says, Paul went down to Derby and also to Lystra. 
A disciple named Timothy was there, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. She had become convinced that Jesus is the Messiah and the author of eternal salvation and yielded obedience to him. But Timothy's father was a Greek. I want to stop right there for just a minute. I want to speak to moms that are maybe here and your husband's not here. I want to speak to moms who are here and maybe your husband's not a believer. I'm telling you, Timothy's mother and grandmothers were believers, but Timothy's father was not a believer. But... Because of their faith, because of their love of the scripture, because they kept speaking the word of God. It says in uh, th uh, Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, that it says, Timothy, you've known these scriptures since you were a child. They were taught to you by your mom and your grandma. Because of that, Timothy could walk out this life in power, in victory, in strength, because of his mother and his grandmother putting the word of God in him. I, I know. I know sometimes it gets discouraging when you think you're the only believer in the house, that nobody else in the house is believing but you. Maybe the father's an unbeliever. I don't know what happened to Timothy's father. All I know is the word of God says he was not a believer. I want to talk to single moms this morning. You can do this. You are not alone. God is with you. God is for you. He is not against you. And you can do this. When you get discouraged, look in the Word of God. Remind yourself of Timothy. Remind yourself of Lois and Eunice, who even though they were, Lois was probably a, a widow by this time, she lived with her daughter Eunice, and they raised Timothy in the Scriptures. It says that Timothy knew the Old Testament. It says that he knew, they had ingrained it. It says from an infancy. I'm telling you today, it is never too early and it is never too late to teach your children the Word of God. Never too early and never too late to speak the Word over your child. Speak the word. I mean, they had taught Timothy the word of God. And it says in verse 2, chapter 16, he, Timothy, had a good reputation. It says that Timothy was a disciple. It doesn't say Timothy was a believer. It says Timothy was a disciple. There's a difference between a believer and a disciple. It meant that when Timothy heard the word, he took it into his heart. He meditated on it. He studied it. He prayed. He lived it out. He did service for others. He taught the word of God and he became a man of God because of the eternal difference his mother and his grandmother made in his life. I, I don't want you to be discouraged this morning if you see that your children maybe aren't following God and you think, you know, my child's been in church all my life. I'm telling you, do not give up. Do not give up. God is working. God is working. His word is working in there. Maybe they're under a spirit of conviction. Maybe they're running from the call of God on their life. Maybe they just haven't found what's really important yet, but they will when you keep on praying. You keep on standing. You keep on confessing the word of God. I'm telling you, Timothy is an example of someone who comes from difficult circumstances, and yet his mother and his grandmother... I mean, I looked up their names because I love all this, and I know that uh, sometimes it gets a little um, uh, boring, as my kids would tell me. But uh, I'd like to know what names mean. And Eunice, her name is Greek. Now, she was a Jew. 
and she studied the Old Testament. I don't know how it is that Eunice, being a Jew, married a Greek because that was against their law. They were to marry within their own people. So I don't know all the background. It'd be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be like kind of reading People magazine. <laughs> find out the background, find out the juicy bits. Uh, sorry, had a little slip. I love the backstories of these people because the backstory makes them real. It's their life. But Eunice, uh, as I looked it up, it says uh, her name is made up of two words. E-U is the first part. And then the last part of her word is in here. It says N-I-C-E, but in the Greek it's N-I-K-E. Do you know what that says? Nike! (laughs) Now, I'm not advertising for Nike. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that her name meant good victory. It meant wonderful overcomer. I mean, think of that, of her name. This was a mom whose husband was not a believer, yet she walked in victory. She was even named that, good victory. And so I think, you know what? Timothy, she named Timothy. Timothy's name means one that honors God. One that honors God. So here we have Timothy, let's read on, verse three. Paul desired Timothy to go with him as a missionary, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those places, all of whom knew that his father was a Greek. And so, Timothy came, I mean, Paul came, preached the word. Paul had come to this town before. This is Lystra and Derbe. I just want to give you a little background in Acts chapter 14 about Lystra and Derbe. That was where Paul preached the word and the people got so upset and so mad, they took him outside of the town and stoned him. Do you remember that story? And the disciples gathered around and prayed and God raised him up and he went right back in that town and preached the word of God. It didn't stop him. And now he's come back right here to Lystra and Derbe and all this time the word has been growing in Paul and Timothy. He's been meditating on the word of God. And so he, he comes back, Paul comes back and he sees the growth in Timothy. So he says, Timothy, in my words, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to mentor you. I want to tell you right now, moms, how important it is for you to pray for someone to come into your child's life to mentor them along the way. It's not always going to be you. And I want to say this morning, When my son Jeff was 15 years old, brother Walter Fleming took him to Mexico. We had to take Jeff out of school because he was going to be gone for so long, about three weeks. And while Jeff was on that trip with Walter Fleming, Jeff had a vision that one day he would return. That was in his heart all those years. He was 15, and all those years, the purposes of God were working in there. The vision that God had put in his heart, the love for Mexico was growing. And even though over years his life took different twists and turns, he came back to that vision that God had put in his heart. I thank God for Walter Fleming. I thank God for men and women who reach out to to my children over the years and have encouraged them. 
It may not just be you. And now I see what all that has done, where Jeff is now, and I'm so thankful. But Paul was so impressed by this young man and the good report that all had about him, he took him with him. And even though Paul's mother and grandmother might have been sad to see him go, they were thankful that God's plan was being enfolded in Timothy's life. Just turn the page just a little bit over here to Acts 17, verse 14. And it says, at once the brethren sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained behind. They remained behind to teach the word. Timothy went with Paul. Paul, he was like Paul's ministry assistant. And here was Timothy learning about the ministry, teaching the word of God. In, uh, in Acts chapter 15, we find another scripture. And it goes on down in, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 18. It says that he asked Paul, to, uh, Timothy, to stay where he was and teach the word. And you know, the thing about teaching the word, I want to say this. In some of these towns where Paul preached the word, they believed in Greek mythology. They believed in Zeus. They believed in magic. They believed in the cults. They believed in false religions. And in all these towns, you remember, if you read the Acts, they were stoned and persecuted and run out of town and held in chains and beaten. And all of these things Paul went through, Timothy saw, but because this man mentored him, Timothy just stood fast. He stood fast on the word of God. He knew that there would be hard times ahead, but the word of God that his mother and his grandmother had taught him made him strong. I love that song that Callie sang this morning. I am brave. I am brave because God is in the inside of me. And Paul said of Timothy's faith, let's go back to and 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to read verse 5 again. I am calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith. I want to talk just a minute about this sincere faith, unqualified faith. In some translations, it says a genuine faith, a genuine faith. That word genuine in the Greek is where, as part of the word where we get our word hypocritical, but on the front of it, it has a prefix that says unhypocritical. So what he's saying is your faith that you have, that your mom and your grandma put in you was not a hypocritical kind of faith. It was a real faith. What do I mean by a real faith? It means you're the same at home, you're the same at church, you're the same at the grocery store, you're the same in the car. You are a real, you have a real faith in your heart. In other words, you do not have a mask. One translation I saw it meant he had faith without a mask. This is the kind of faith that Lois and Eunice stirred up in Timothy, one that was lived without a mask, unhypocritical, the same. Now think about these two women living in a city with thousands of people. Think about the occult. Think about the magic, the God-worshipping, the little, uh, all the statues they had, Artemis, Diana, all those people they worshipped. And here were two women living on their own, raising a son, and had real faith. They were real, real in the hard times and in the good times. A genuine faith. In other words, Timothy, I am sure about you. You have the same kind of faith in you. T 
Timothy saw them live their faith day in, day out. Paul says four times in these first few verses, he says, remember, I'm remembering this, I'm remembering that. And he says to Timothy, remember the faith that your mother and your grandmother took you, put in you. Remember how they prayed for you. Remember how they took you to the synagogue. Remember their consistency at home and at the synagogue. Remember how they wouldn't compromise what they believed. Who was their faith in? It was in Jesus Christ. Remember their faith and in whom they believed. And now it's in you. Paul said these things about two women. I just, I'm just so blown away and so excited about how God reveals the strength of women to us. Women, to moms and grandmas. We get discouraged. We need to be encouraged. And I want to say this. It was a faith that was remembered. It was a faith that was real. And it was a faith that was reproduced. It was a faith that was reproduced in their children, in Timothy. I'm so thankful for that. A real faith. What does it mean to be real? Well, this came to me. I love reading sometimes children's books. I go through phases. That must be my childish phase came out a couple weeks ago because I think I gave Don Ray a copy of Dr. Seuss. Something about, you'll go far, kid. That's a great book. I don't know. Anyway, my kid said, Mom, please quit reading Dr. Seuss. You are rhyming all the time. (laughs) I'm going like, well, there'll never be another you. I couldn't be a truer you. You are you. And, And Amy's like, stop reading Dr. Seuss. But there's another story that I've always loved. Maybe you've read it. It's called The Velveteen Rabbit. And he wanted to be real. I don't know if you've ever read this or not, but it was about a little stuffed bunny that a little boy got for Christmas one day, and one Christmas, and he was stuck in the top of his stocking, he was all pretty, and, and just a brand new little stuffed rabbit. And so, uh, you know, he saw how things went in the house, and he saw all the other presents that the kids got at Christmas that year. You know, the wind-up airplane, and, and all the toys that had something that either stuck out or made noise, and here he was, just this stuffed rabbit. And uh, he said to the horse one day, what does it mean to be real? And I'm just going to read this quote. I've always loved this quote and it, from the Velveteen Rabbit. And it's, it's about a, that, a little stuffed rabbit that became real to this little boy. And so he asked the horse who was stuffed, what does it mean to be real? And the horse answered, generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off. And your eyes drop out and you get loose in your joints, and you become very shabby. (laughs) But these things don't matter, because once you are real, you can't ever be ugly to the ones who love you. You know, moms, I, I think about Timothy and Lois, and I have to say, There are times in my life where I have felt loose in my joints and shabby. Praying for my kids, even though they're grown. Jeff called me this morning and I said to him on the phone, Jeff, how old are you? (laughs) He said, I'm 48, Mom. I said, oh my, the time has gone by so fast. And I know during this walk, 
You know, there were times when my joints felt loose and my eyes dropped out and I got shabby, but I knew it was a real faith and I wanted my kids to have a real faith, a real faith, a faith that will be remembered, a faith that is real and a faith that will be reproduced. So you may be discouraged, but I want to encourage you to keep on loving, keep on being there because you are real. You are real in your children's life. Your faith is real. Your faith is active. Your faith is alive. Your faith is powerful. When hard times come, hold fast to your faith in Jesus Christ. When it doesn't look like that child is following God, hold fast to the word of God. When you are tired of praying, keep praying. Your eyes may fall out. Your joints may get loose. You may feel shabby, but keep praying. Jesus is real. Paul reminds Timothy, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. That was the same kind of faith that lived in his mother and his grandmother. And these women changed the world with their real faith in God. These two women affected us. These, this mom and this grandmother had a real faith. Now moms and grandmothers, I always want to encourage you this morning Live for a faith that is real. Live for a faith that lives on. You see, I didn't want it to stop with me. I wanted it to go on. My mom, my grandmother, I'm, I'm from a line that loved God. Because of that, it gave me an advantage. Live for a faith that will live on. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.